quite a while. Long enough that I actually forgot where I left off. <laughs> but that, that's okay. We need to start with a word of prayer. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the opportunity to let Ann and I to be here in this church, in this community, and to be in this house with you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help Ann and I to glorify you in what we say and do. We thank you for the awesome privilege that you've given us, Lord, to serve you overseas and missionaries. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to just explain a small part of what you did in our lives and the lives of others while we was there. In your precious name we pray, amen. This because I, I need a cheat sheet and, and something for a security blanket. Um, <laughs> missions. You know, whenever I grew up, I did not think about missions in a positive manner. Uh, missionaries were people who went around and changed cultures and ruined communities and lives. And, and you saw that on TV. I heard it in college. And, and so I wasn't very excited about missions. But after Ann and I was married, when we was in a small church that really supported missionaries, and, and God gave us a big house, one that we didn't think that we could ever have, and a lot bigger than what we needed. And nobody else had a big house. And so we got to house the missionaries that came to visit our church. And they, probably once a month, they would have a missionary couple come and, and tell what they was doing. And it was there that I got really excited about missionaries and what they was doing. And I still remember Orrin Rosa Kid. They was probably in their late 40s whenever they came was visiting our church, and and I asked them because I was concerned about, are you just going over there and changing cultures and that? And they said, no, we do not let the people even hear us speak in English. Our job is to learn their language and their culture so that we can understand where they're coming from so that we can give them an opportunity to hear about God. I thought, wow, that's pretty neat. And then, then we met the Rolsons, and their story was fairly similar. Different country, but they was doing the same thing. They was very concerned that they not go in and change cultures, but rather learn the culture. Now, there's some things in all of our cultures that it's against God's will. But you have to let people know who God is and what he's done and why they need to look to God for their strength before you can ever start moving anything else. And you have to do that in their culture, in their way of thinking. So I began praying for missionaries. I started writing letters to a few of the missionaries to encourage them. And... And I even started trying to help them financially a little bit because I thought that they were super Christian and doing really great things. But whenever Ann and I was 
in Alaska. I was still probably 10 years away from retirement, taking some Bible courses. But we thought, how can we help in a, in a bigger way in missions? Our idea was is whenever I was fully supported, retired, then we could go around and maybe help build churches, help missionaries to get set up in these foreign countries. I could do it on my strength. But God doesn't want any one of us to go in our own strength. God wants each one of us to trust in him. And so Ann and I took a trip to Papua New Guinea to an interface program, six-week program. And it was over there that God really convicted me to trust in him. God told me really plainly that just as a children of Israel had the opportunity to go across into the promised land that he was given it to them. They looked at the giants. They looked at the tall walls. They looked at all of the things that they could not defeat themselves, and they were worried. God was telling me that I am the same way. I want to go on my own strength. He says, he didn't want the children of Israel to cross the Jordan on their own strength. The children of Israel found out what happened whenever they went on their own strength the next day. They were soundly defeated. And God told me, if you wait for retirement, I don't want you. If you want to be a missionary, if you want to help in missions somehow, I want you to trust me. Step out right now. That next morning I told Ann my conversation with God. And she said, okay. And so we sent a, a fax into New Tribes Mission while we was over there in Papua New Guinea asking to be accepted into a mission program. And we got back, and I gave my announcement to the federal government that we was leaving. Uh, and they said, okay. Uh, it was a struggle for us to trust in God each step of the way. But it was also so many miracles to see how God had worked in our lives and was working. Um, the day that we went to drive to get on the ferry to leave the island to, to go south to start our training, we signed the papers to sell our house. God had taken care of that, and he wanted us to trust in him to know that he was with us each, each step of the way. It didn't cost much to be in missions training, and that was a good thing because we didn't have much either. But, but it isn't how much you make. It's how much God provides, and God took care of us each step of that. So what I would like to show you, I'm going to do it a little differently. Instead of just talk to you today, we've put together some pictures of our journey going down to Venezuela. And so I'd like, Anne will be narrating many of the pictures, and then I'll continue afterwards. Feel free to jump in if you have something to say. This was our family in uh, the fall of 1996 at our commissioning service in um, 
Calvary Bible Church, Ketchikan, Alaska. They're our sending church, and they sent us off. Yes. Okay. Um, airport leaving Dallas and arriving Caracas. It was a very long day. We were the first ones at the airport and in the morning and just about the last ones at night when we got to Caracas. Venezuela is the purple country at the top of South America. And if you'll look at the inset map of Venezuela, the Pume live approximately where the star is located. This is uh, rainy season in the grasslands, uh, a Pume village. There's just a few houses uh, there among the trees. And this was to be our home. This was where the missionaries lived. Uh, there were four homes, uh, a shop, and a generator. We, in order to learn the people's culture and language, we needed to spend time with them seeing what they did, um, having them explain in their own words what they did. Everything came in by Cessna. Um, it could have been a 185 instead of a 206, both people and supplies. The Lord provided us with two four-wheelers, uh, which we used on base um, for recreation as well as work. This is uh, the school base where the, our three sons went to school. Um, it was three hours by flight from us. While we were there, the um, Merrill and, and the team started supplying first the school teachers with bicycles, and then it spread to everybody else as well. Um, course if you have bicycles you need to repair them and um, at first they came to us to have the repairs done but Gary thought it would be more productive for them to learn to do it themselves so he provided the tools and um, I helped run well actually I, I ran the store for the people <laughs> it was open once a week and so I uh, bought supplies and had them for, for the people one of Gary's other projects was helping the, the people learn to manage their cattle. At first they were frightened of them because they're large animals, um, but the cattle enabled them to have a source of income, to have extra protein, and to improve their, their gardens. And it wasn't all work. This was uh, the creek where we spent most days, uh, most late afternoons, cooling off. The house on the left is what our home looked like when we moved into um, the tribe and we made a few changes. Um, the bottom one is, is what we added. Um, we had six months to build um, onto our house and it gave Gary great opportunities for developing relationships with the people he would hire different men every day, um, and it helped him to learn language and for the people to learn some basic skills because they had never used um, tools 
like what we had. When we came back after our first home assignment, um, our mission had evacuated the base where, where we started out working and moved their headquarters across country. And we were asked to be um, guest room, guest house hosts. And it was a completely new experience for us, but we loved it. This house had um, eight bedrooms and seven baths and a two-room suite that we lived in. Originally, the house uh, had a low fence in front, and due to security issues, we raised it up. Um, Later, we had to add an electric fence to the top of this fence as well. We had other responsibilities in addition to the guest house, and one of them was uh, buying supplies and shipping it out to the folks who still lived interior. I worked in the finance office for two to three years um, over two different terms. Uh, Both of us helped out in the print shop, collating um, pages when there was big print orders. And this is what some of the... um, the books that we printed, it could have been a a hymnal, but these happened to be uh, scripture portions in Pume. Whenever one section of the New Testament would be completed and approved, we'd get them printed off and into the hands of the people. During the period of time after we had to evacuate um, the base at CHOP, um, there was about uh, two two to three years that the Dick spent bouncing around trying to figure out how to meet with the people, how to continue their ministry. And they were often um, at campgrounds or at people's homes. um, And usually they would meet outside under the trees. But then in 2006, they were able to buy this house um, and property It has a large um, banana plantation in front and several trees in the back. And it seemed that it would be suitable for what we needed. So Gary was tasked with with, uh, coming up with plans to increase the size of the house to make it usable for us um, because the city water supply was unreliable. Uh, One of the first projects was putting in a well The original house, as we bought it, had no power to it, um, but by the time there was power on the street, so Gary installed uh, the electrical wiring and conduit uh, to the street because this was necessary because one of our neighbors had had their electrical wire from the house to the (coughs) street stolen in the night, so he was determined that that wasn't going to happen. Um, we did have from time to time friends come to help us with the project. Gary made multiple trips over um, to supervise workers. It was a huge project. Every time we went, there was uh, something new that needed to be done. Air conditioning was uh, not a luxury but an essential because in the original house, 
we measured temperatures of over 100 in the middle of the day. So after um, three years of work and improvements, this is what the house looked like uh, when it was dedicated in April of 2009. This is the upstairs room where the um, which was created a, a large room for meetings and for uh, hanging hammocks and it's much nicer than outside with all the bugs. <coughs> so when people came over, we would meet we would meet with them during the dry season, which was the only time that they could come out of um, where they lived. So they would often come out uh, sick with worms, various kinds of sores. So uh, treating them physically was part of our job as well. Um, all the things that go on with daily life had to be done in this house too, including laundry, uh, purchasing. Um, the folks enjoy coffee, and I enjoyed serving it to them. Um, we would try a couple of times while they were there to have a special meal, and fish was always a special one. Um, other times the meals were simpler, would be soup or uh, beans. So in order to get um, some of our meat, we would buy it on the street rather than in the grocery store. So this is our partners, two of our partners, um, supervising the barbecue. We always call these pig kills because uh, when we were in the tribe, we started at the very beginning with killing the pig and skinning it, the whole thing. Part of my personal ministry is um, to the Pume is purchasing things for to make their lives um, a little bit more comfortable. Um, so things like fabric, needles, thread, fingernail polish for the women, combs, um, soap, shampoo, all of those things that we would try to collect and, and give to the people, as well as uh, beads for them making necklaces and that kind of thing. So without sewing machines, without scissors, the women would um, usually make themselves two new dresses while they were with us because I would give them enough fabric to do that. And then we would often have uh, used clothing that had been donated that we could distribute as well. And it was really nice seeing the people because they didn't always just hoard um, the clothes, but what they each family took home, they would share with um, their their family and vill villagers back back home. Another purchase thing, that, something that we would purchase, um, is tools for them to work in their gardens. This looks like a lot right here, but um, when you consider there's 12 or 13 villages that we had contact with, um, basically you ended up with one new tool per village um, each year. And that was if we could get that many um, of the tools. Sometimes they weren't available. They sell them um, unsharpened. So um, here Gary was helping them to get their new machetes sharpened. One of the things that I appreciate about him is um, 
he was always wanting to, for them to learn how to do things rather than just doing it himself. I always took a lot of pictures, and at the end of our time with the folks, they all enjoyed seeing um, what had happened for the two or three weeks that we'd been together. Um, just work projects. There was always work that Gary needed to be done, usually repairs of something that was already existing. Sometimes it was improving things that we already had. Um, the water that came from our well came out very clear, but it didn't stay clear. Um, so after it set for a little bit, it was uh, cloudy and kind of had an oily film on it, which we later found out was due to iron. So after talking to various people, he found out what to do to get the iron out, and he was spending hours a day doing that. So our last trip there in... Um, Last spring, he supervised the building of two new tanks so that we would have um, more water on hand and already treated. Um, after t living for 12 years in Puerto Ordaz, um, we were asked to move from there to another city up by the coast uh, where the international airport is. So this is uh, co-workers and friends from church who came to help us uh, load the truck to move. This is our new home. It's uh, the guest house near the International Airport. Um, and this time the guest apartments were separate from the host house. So in the back there were five apartments, or not really apartments, but five bedrooms that had their own private bath, and then there was a common kitchen and living room. Um, I love this memory because it reminds me of how faithful God is to meet all of our needs. This was our first Thanksgiving in um, at Katia Lamar and one of the things that I had dreaded about going to this new ministry was um, the isolation because there weren't any other um, missionaries who lived near there and everybody who came through was usually came in late at night left early the next morning so there wasn't an opportunity for um, fellowship with other people so we, we moved in October, and I was thinking, I won't have anybody to have Thanksgiving dinner with, and God sent us all these people. But we also sometimes, um, whenever we could, we hosted other our guests for meals, and um, we, en we enjoyed that. As it turned out, um, due to the, all the changes in Venezuela, fewer people being there, um, the use of the guest house had changed, and so it wasn't quite so bad as it had been in previous years with people just being there a few hours. We had uh, people staying for longer periods of time, which we appreciated. So shortly after we moved to Conte Lamar, we had to build another fence higher. This one was nine feet tall when we finished. Um, 
since we've been back in the States, they've had to raise the wall on the other side of the property as well and add an electric fence. Um, we were responsible for uh, scheduling guests, for cleaning, for maintenance, for billing, for everything that was, I mean, we were the staff. So here Gary is uh, teaching a couple of our um, co-workers' sons how to clean the, the air conditioners. Some of the other things that we did was make improvements in the host house. Um, the original house was built very low budget, and so the walls were falling apart. Uh, there were potholes in the cement floor, and the cement had come away from the wall under the, the windowsill. So um, we took apart the room <laughs> and um, redid it. So we've, we did this to three different bedrooms in the host house. Water was also an issue here as well, so Gary upgraded the water system, added uh, uh, pre-filters outside and um, filters inside as well. So in 2015, um, Meryl and Teresa and their Pume co-workers completed the final check for the Pume scriptures. So then the, the rest of that year, 2015, they spent revising and uh, editing. So we, we ended up with a complete New Testament. There's some statistics on it, how many verses, and then almost 3,000 of the Old Testament so all of Genesis, and then parts of the remaining um, books of the law. And then in Job, he did the first three chapters and the last chapter, the complete book of Jonah and Daniel, and any prophecies um, of the Messiah. So that's what the Old Testament scripture looks like for the Pume. The name on the cover of the Bible, this is the literal translation, the true owner boss's words, and those that come after. Those that come after refers to the New Testament. The Old Testament would say those that come before, those being the words. So we were able to be part of the scripture presentation last March um, at a church in San Fernando, And each of the five Pume pastors who were there were given the opportunity to share a few words and Merrill translated into Spanish for them. And this is the verse that came to my mind as they were speaking and Merrill was translating what they said. Um, because I just could imagine how the people felt at Pentecost when they heard these unschooled um, disciples preaching and how, the, how that compared to the people in this church in San Fernando, hearing what they thought of primitive people teaching God's word. So if you've read news about Venezuela at all, you've seen um, 
accounts of protests, many of them violent. This was actually a nonviolent march um, in 2013. Um, but one person in that in the marches that year, one person was killed in our city. Um, this was another protest um, in the street behind where we lived. And this um, tear gas canister we found in the windowsill of our apartment in Port Ordaz when we moved. Um, we had not been home when it happened. We had been in uh, San Fernando with the Pume during the time that all of those went on. But it was just a reminder to us of how, how God protects us and keeps us away from, um, from danger. So we would ask that you um, pray for Venezuela as you read about the news, as you think of us. And here's some specific ways that you can pray. Um, this man is Husto, and he is wearing his um, brand new copies of scripture, kind of as a bandolier across his chest. So this reminded me that um, they need to put on the whole armor of God and stand firm in the face of temptation and persecution. Um, these are two captains of villages. The man on the left is one of the main pastors. I pray that they, the church leaders would be faithful in exercising their duties, that the men would resume teaching their families, um, and that qualified elders would be appointed soon. We had hoped to appoint elders um, during the time we were together with the New Testament presentation, and Merrill did some teaching on the qualifications of an elders, and all of the men said, well, that's or not. That's, that's or not. And he's the only one that's qualified. This is the man on the left. And when Hernan heard the qualifications, he said, oh, that's not me. <laughs> I, I'm not like that. So um, pray for them as, as they have identified some areas in their lives that they need to uh, bring in line with God's word. Teresa usually takes time to do some teaching for the women because they don't have um, really opportunities um, to, to learn to, I mean, to study God's word on their own. Most of them are not readers. Um, and in their culture, it is not uh, common for there to be a lot of communication. There's a lot of sitting around um, each person doing his own thing and not a lot of talking back and forth. So uh, pray that God would change this area of their culture, that they would be able to share uh, about his word and what he's doing in their lives. Uh, there's still villages that don't have literacy programs, and it's essential that the people learn to read so that they can read scripture. Um, Matia is one of the villages that doesn't have... Um, school and also pray for more teachers. Being a teacher um, in a Pume school is a um, 
know, it's something that you do because you think it needs to be done, not because there's a big reward in it in this life. There's no, um, there's no salary. There's no, um, nothing provided. You have to build your own school. <laughs> so, um, but, but they are motivated and they do do it. And pray that the girls would learn to read and not be embarrassed um, by that. And pray for our team. This is our the whole um, church planning team. There's five couples and their families. Pray that there would be unity of purpose and vision among the team members. The man that um, Meryl is speaking to there is a bilingual who came to the uh, scripture presentation and it was the first time he had ever heard any scripture in his heart language, in the Pume language because he is um, he attends a church that's taught in Spanish in his village um, and he said it spoke to him like nothing he had ever spoken to him before but they need to learn to read their language, they need to uh, accept the scriptures um, because they were there's a, a possible issue there they were translated in the monolingual dialect and the bilingual speak slightly differently have a few different vocabulary words but pray that there would be a vibrant church planted among the bilinguals our co-workers are working in this area of bilinguals and hope to have had opportunities to um, teach literacy, Pume literacy, as well as to um, teach in the church. But currently they're being prohibited by that by guerrillas that are active again in this area. So wrapping it up, this was um, all of us together just this April. Our families changed in 20 years. Um, and we are grateful to, to God for what he's done in our family. And we've seen this verse uh, lived out time and time again. We have an idea of what we're going to do. Um, we're grateful that God is in control. Well, I guess that lets you know that I'm not a pastor. <laughs> Our job was to help Merrill and Teresa so that they could devote all of their time to translating the Bible into these dear people's hands. And so my job was to get dirty, to sweat a lot, and to be willing to do whatever needed to be done wherever. Um, also, at the guest house, missionaries that came through felt like they could talk shop with me and, and discuss their problems, and, and, and I was always interested in, in how they was handling the teaching in their village and what was going on. So it, we provided kind of a, a sounding board to, to help them and encourage them. And... Anne said that she really loves the people and loves the country. 
um, it's okay. You know, that isn't the reason I went down to Venezuela. The reason I went down to Venezuela because there was people who had never had the opportunity to hear anything about God. I mean, they was living lives of fear, and they was going to die and go to hell. And we've been around to churches, and, and people think, well, if they've never heard, surely a God of love is not going to send them to hell. The true fact of the matter is that it's every one of our responsibility. The commission was given in all four Gospels and in Acts to go. God laid the groundwork. Jesus paid the price. He gave us the job, each one of us, not just the pastor, but each one of us the job of telling others about him, what he's done. And these people do not e- did not even have a clue of who God was or what he did. They knew that we believed in spirits. And God is spirit. They believed in spirits. There's hardly any atheists that I know of among the tribal people. They all know that there's higher powers out there that control their lives. And so I wanted them to have that opportunity to hear about God. There's, and the Pume people that we've worked with and seen, that old man you saw there, I mean, his prayer life humbles mine. He prays not just for me and Anne, but every one of the people that he has not, some of the people he has not had an opportunity to see for over 20 years. And yet he prays and thanks God each day for them and prays that they will continue to grow in God's word. He prays for his village and his children. That's why he had a heart desire to have a school. They don't have any reading material other than the Bible. And yet that was his heart's desire was his grandkids would learn to read so that they could read God's word. That touches. God's word is so precious, and we take it for granted. Excuse me. But God bless them. You see the multiplication in their churches, and it's staggering. And these people are still going out. They're being ridiculed by other villages, and yet they still want to tell them. And and more and more villages are desiring to to hear about God. And so it's spreading throughout their their villages. God's word is precious. That's what drove in and had to be there. That's what kept us there. Um, It's very comfortable here. But God called us there, and and we just praise the Lord that he gave us that opportunity to be there whenever he did. Will we go back? We don't know. That's in God's hands. But we appreciate the fact that God helped us to be a part of his work. Each of you are a part of God's work, and each of you have a responsibility and a task. Not everybody's called to be a preacher, but everybody's called to serve the Lord in whatever way they can. So I thank you.
husband. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you allow each one of us to come to you. Lord, we thank you that we have your word, not only in written form, but in audio form and in on TV and radio. And we can listen to people talk about you as we drive down the road. We can see your messages. We can come to church. And you've blessed this country in so many different ways. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, each one of us, to just rededicate our purpose in life to choose this day who we will serve. And that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice each moment of the day to serve you and ask you, Lord, how can we serve you, Lord? What will you allow us to do in our lives to, to touch the lives of others? for eternity's sake and not for just for the day. And Lord, I thank you that you've allowed us to be here. In your precious name we pray. Amen.